<laughs> Praise the Lord, I ate a pepper too. <laughs> but I didn't eat the whole thing, hallelujah. It is a privilege uh, to be back, and if I look, as Dennis Wright would say, tarred, that's because I am. Uh, what should have been a one-hour flight yesterday from Ontario, California home uh, took about uh, nine and a half hours, two planes that broke down, one crew that didn't show up, and then over into Denver, then Dallas, and finally home. I, I should have just rented a car and came back. But what a privilege, and uh, on Thursday there in Redlands, God began to deal with scripture that I want to share with us as uh, men this morning, number one. Uh, to encourage and hopefully to inspire you, but also to thank you personally for your ongoing support uh, to guys like me, uh, guys before me, guys after me, that realize we really do need brothers in time of life. And so we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes in chapter 4. And I think the Holy Spirit is more than able to give us understanding. We're not all going to leave and go out somewhere and lie down together. Uh, that's forbidden in Romans uh, as homosexuality. But the reason is, uh, it's there is to help us. And so how many here are old as I am and remember uh, Ted Skazinski, the Unibomber? You know, for uh, 18 years... Uh, this one man, he uh, terrorized our nation. Uh, I won't mention he worked, I think, in the postal system, or maybe he used the postal system. But he was actually a brilliant man. He entered uh, Harvard at 16 years old. He was brilliant with mathematics and all these things. But then later on, uh, one of the things that helped to capture him was his own brother, and he made a very interesting statement I was reading last week, and it triggered some thoughts. He said, my brother Ted was very, very good at being a loner. And then he says, and I noticed every time he was alone too long, he got strange. And so we want to look this morning at Unibrother, not Unibomber. And believe God to really help us. Out of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, uh, we know the text. It begins at verse 9. <clears throat> the Bible says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fail, or fall rather, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he does fall. For he who has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how could one keep warm himself? There, there, the one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And God bless your word and help us as men this morning to just understand not only the privilege of unity, but the power of brotherly fellowship in Jesus name. Amen. So let's just for a moment while you're making uh, gaseous noises and no one else knows because some, oh, we're all on metal chairs. We'll all know. 
And that is the understanding the importance of fellowship. You know, here in our text, uh, our brother writes, two are better than one. This is written, of course, by the man named Solomon. I don't know if I would go on the side of the wisest man that ever lived, but he certainly was cynical sometimes. He goes on in Ecclesiastes 1 and I think 9, he goes, What was will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Well, can somebody say touchscreen, air-conditioned automobile, motorcycles? You know, he can be very narrow-minded and very cynical left to himself. But as he looks at this and considers, he makes a very valuable judgment statement. Now, even though he's king, he may have some advisors, he realizes that two people, another person, a companion that can come alongside your life at the critical places in life, it is more valuable than just being on our own. Praise his name. And he concludes that we are better men when we have somebody else in our lives. And again, I've only been married 35 years. Uh, this is a great blessing. But I can also say I know brothers that have lost wives uh, to, to eternity. And they're in heaven now. And some of you guys are not married. And we'll, we'll look over that. You're a pervert. That will not change that. But we cannot just throw out the point. We're talking about God, not just Solomon. They could say, in our beginning, it was being a new convert. And let's be real. We are in the people business here in the Prescott Church. So in the beginning, a new convert, it is not good for them to be alone. Can you say amen? We all need fellowship. And when a man begins to withdraw, when a man begins to pull back, when a man begins to, I guess, isolate himself, I'm telling you, that man, that brother, that individual... He's not maybe heading down the road to make pipe bombs, but something's going to explode in his life. Jesus, classic statement. He says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now that doesn't mean because we have a busy schedule, we pray at home before work, we pray in our car. I was up early praying and uh, because of time couldn't get this printed obviously at the airport, but a new sermon and it printed it. But he's letting us know that there's something so real, so supernatural that when two of us gather together in his name, he shows up to help us. Now I know that God says that Jesus Christ stays closer than any brother. But the imagery is still there too. We are not good on our own. Can you say amen? We are not going to make it being solo Lone Ranger Christians. I've met secret agent Christians. It was such a secret God didn't even know they were saved. That's a joke but you know what I mean. And so, many people use this to justify, that's why I never want to be around 
other believers because they got a different belief. They don't like the same team and on and on. But Jesus did this, I believe, to emphasize, not to de-emphasize fellowship. That two or more are always better than just one. I can't imagine. I mean, I remember pioneering, you know, and, and I remember going to places and having some low services. I can't imagine how peculiar to preach to yourself. That'd be a low service. Especially if you never amen yourself. And especially at the end, you're the only one to raise your hand. <laughs> Can you say amen? But Jesus cares. And I'm saying this this morning because I care about you, brothers. And I will mention several of you by name. And if you get angry, it's between you and the Lord, not me. God used you to help me. And I believe that Jesus emphasizes this over and over and over again is the fact that we, even as Christian men, we need each other. We may not all, you know, the Bible, you know, love, how, we, how do I say it? It's original. Love, it's a command. But like is an option. And there are some people in life, their personality, the way they grate you. Maybe it's me this morning. You say, well, I'm not really liking you. I know, but you've got to love me because that's a command. And the reason why is because Jesus lets us know we must come to a place. It's not sissy stuff. It's not being less than a man. It is godly to admit I need another brother. I need other men. I need fellowship. To help me in my personal walk with God. If you are married, I'm not here. Evangelists don't give advice. I'm trying to share. Your wife is not wired the same way men are. You cannot share everything with her. You cannot tell her, oh, that boss or that person at work. Or if you ever go into the ministry, you know, those people did this and that. That will just trip your wife's brain right out. I never had to lie to my wife, but I'd say, Jeannie, it's all great. They all love us. Hey, how are you? And I knew inside, how are you? You hate me. I know that, but I'm not telling her. Because there's certain things that women cannot handle in your behalf. But I can guarantee you, God has wired us as men. We can handle each other's problems. And we can share each other's problems and not have to be embarrassed. See, hypocrites are not the guys that come to a men's breakfast with problems. What if, what, there's no better place for a hypocrite to be than here. Hypocrites are men that miss a men's breakfast, that miss church, and then complain why God never helps them. Just thought I'd throw that in. Consider some of the greatest men of the Bible. This is what we're bringing this through. Abraham has a destiny and he tries to move outside of his godly parameter with his own wife Sarai and how many know it didn't work and comes the scripture where is Sarai your wife God is saying even though Abraham you did what was wrong your destiny is is not just up to you, Abraham. 
It includes somebody else. But we're going on for the man thing, because some of you guys aren't married yet. There's one out there for you. Hallelujah. But just remember, when it comes to life, of course, unless you're Roman Gutierrez, but when it comes to life or wife, it's usually one per customer. Not one at a time, one till death does us part. Moses, what a classic example. He's tried what many of us maybe have tried. You know, Bible studies are going to be divided up, unless they already have been. I didn't look. I can't wait to go to my home Bible study group again this year. It's great. I need that. I'm on the road. I live from my week home, prayer meeting, hearing our pastors preach. But I live to be around the people in my Bible study group because I need that. But here's Moses. He's called by God. I mean, if you've read the Bible, come on. The burning bush thing is pretty awesome. Most of us, if you've got a fireplace, you're already trying to get a cheap price for some wood for winter. You know when it burns, it's gone. So he goes, oh, I think I'll turn aside and see this strange sight. The the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. And it was only until he turned aside, God didn't speak to him. And so we know the story, the calling and all the stuff. How will I know? Hand in. Ah, leper out. Hand in. What would you be thinking the second time? Aha, no hand. You know, right? Seriously. It's the way I look at the Bible. And he tries to make all these excuses. Well, 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 well I, you know, I, I, I'm not eloquent. I'm not. A, and God didn't say, okay, fine. He says, no, you're still the man. But I'm going to give you a helper, your brother. Never forget that in life. Moses was the leader. Moses was the deliverer. But if you read your Bible for what it says, Aaron's the one that usually carried the rod. Aaron's the one that usually spoke. So what does that mean for you? Thanks for asking. It means that God has a will. But if you won't cop to this this morning, then you have a won't. And your destiny will never be all that it's meant to be because God has a brother in your life, in your future, that he's going to put there to help you. Thank God. And so he was given Aaron his brother. We know the man named David, incredible warrior, statesman, all the different things. Doggone it, he was done wrong on every hand, even by uh, his own family, right? The ones he tried to help. But yet, what an amazing thing, God takes the son of a king, God takes the son who should be a rightful king, and he brings them into David's life to be the brother we're talking about, that unibrother, to help David. Because he knew that God did not want his father to be king. Okay, well, gosh, I guess that means me. But there's something powerful. Jonathan is only remembered in the Bible for what he was. And that was a helper to the man named David. And I'm not getting squishy, but the Bible says their love was more potent than the love of a man and a woman. You study it. It is convicting. Don't wear your chapstick out. It's not like that. (laughs) But how many know this morning, new converts, they need Jonathans. 
The older we live for God, you know, the attacks, they don't go away. They just morph. They get more intense. Something that may be a, 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 a temptation to me would be nothing to you. Something that may be a temptation to one of you would be nothing to me. But we need to understand that especially if you're a younger convert, especially if you're going through something, don't take it as a slap down. God wants to bring a Jonathan into your life to help you. Praise the Lord. And I'm not talking anti-headship. But pastors are our pastors. They're not your bud, your best friend, your dad. God has chosen to use within the congregation the unity of brotherhood. And it's the only place outside of notes here where God actually commanded the blessing, life evermore. It's in unity. And can we be honest? We all have some needs. Hallelujah. So Elisha, he had, or Elijah rather, he had an Elisha. We could say it the other way around. It probably made more sense. And here's Elijah. He doesn't know when. He knows God uh, has him to be his man. But there's an Elisha that came alongside him. And we know all the funny sides of the stories. But Elijah had a revelation. He needs me. And you know what? I need him. Because if you read your Bible, Elijah heard directly from God. But Elisha was able to also speak into his life. Now the sad thing is the story on that part ends because Gehazi was no good. He wouldn't listen. So even though you could be in line to do something for God, God many times will overlook a younger convert, one without all the proper uh, credentials, whatever we call it here, and he will overlook one of us because somebody else is willing. All right, that goes over well. So we need covenant relationships. And in 2014, it is a word so quickly being like alienated from the dictionary. I mean it. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And if you can prove that some, we're, that sand could be blown on by our feelings, it could be blown on by our pride. No, mark it down as a blessing, my brother. I'm counting on you in my life to be a covenant brother. And as much as I've learned, and I've learned some things the hard way, I hit hard. But thank God I've got some Steve Garfields. Thank God I've got some Bill Bronson, some Bill Hunts, and, and Pete's that would send emails, you know, not just when I was still smelling the splinters in the woodshed, but even now that I'm in ministry once again and i'll tell you one thing that keeps me going i can still smell the splinters and i'm not going back to the woodshed but i thank god i have you brothers to be there knowing we are in this ministry covenant together praise god now that's quick and let's look at the restraint of relationships you know i don't want to get too bogged down of this because this is a men's breakfast but we can't overlook it we most of us if we know our bibles we know the story of ruth correct that 
in adverse situations, in adverse circumstances, things she never planned on. How many know, guys, there are things, if I ask you this morning, why I would never. You would be surprised what we're capable of doing. Better man than us have done something, said something, went somewhere that thought they wouldn't do. I would venture to guess, is this the first time together this year from last year? I would venture to guess there's men not sitting here this morning because they wouldn't admit that. And so we know the story of Ruth, a woman who makes a covenant relationship that no matter what, my feelings say, no matter what it looks like, I know your God's going to be my God, and I feel chicken skin. I am not going to leave. Praise God. And in Ruth 1.16, a statement is made, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Now we're not talking about you going nutso and becoming a Jehovah Witness. We have one God. But this is our church. This is our sphere of our fellowship. And I'm telling you guys, I travel enough to tell you this is being challenged. This is being assaulted all the way from the White House to the streets. Racism is becoming a brand new religion. And it's assaulting our fellowship right now as I speak. Your people are my people. And your God is my God. Don't you ever get drawn on the wrong color of the race card. You'll lose. Because God is perfect. God has no flaws whatsoever. We couldn't do it this morning well. But if we could get together at midnight during a full eclipse and turn off all the lights, do you know we'd all look the same? That's the way God sees us. And that really is the way we need to see each other. But I go to churches where this group sits together and that group sits together and that is absolutely wicked. That is not covenant. Hallelujah. And how many people have we met? Make an agreement. Make some kind of a covenant. And the circumstances change and, and, and they don't keep it. We'll gloss over that. See, your covenant to us as other brothers, it will hold you in place when nothing else will. Not because it's easy, but doing right is why we do what we do. And I want to close, and you know me, I mean it. You were set through one of those revivals and in closing for the 11th time. <clears throat> That's the blessing. Thank God. Here in our text, Solomon speaks of three times, three times in our lives, we are going to need 
somebody. And you may not, I'm not feeling it, thank God, but always in a group this size, whoever said it first, there's always one in every crowd. I hope it's not you. But there may be one here this morning thinking, you don't need anybody, you're wrong. Because here in our text it tells us, the first time we're going to need somebody is when we fall. Not if. When. Doesn't take a failure like I went through. Doesn't take discipline. It could be a decision. It could be a lack of decision. It could be a lack of discretion. A bit of a questionable or a tainted testimony. But the first thing says when you fall. Verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe, woe is a pretty heavy word. It's not like, whoa, it's W-O-E. Woe, sadness, incredible heaviness to him that has no one or he's alone when he falls. You know what? It, there's no greater blessing than to have someone you can count on when you sin. Please do not, you're responsible for what I say, not what you hear. Only one can forgive sin. I know that's Jesus. But we don't see him. But we do see you. And what a great blessing to have someone in your life when you sin. Relationships are there so they can help restore you. James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And again, sin is S-I-N, but it could be all kinds of things. Anger, jealousy, bad attitude. It's not always nose candy or Jack Daniels. But the issue is, there would be a time in your life when you could find yourself in sin. There could be intense things happening. And you can only reach out if you've got a rope. You can only reach out if someone's offering you help. And relationships, my brothers, you need to begin to build them now. Because I can tell you, when I first came back from Zambia, some of you remember 2007. Pastor Abert Volk, a very good friend, very special to me, was going to stand up and, and give, I guess they call it an advertisement. I don't know what. I speak for you at conference to be an evangelist. Well, Pastor Greg did that for me. And it really meant a lot. But you see, after I fell and had a time of discipline... Guess who stood up again for me? It was Pastor Greg. And let me tell you, I will never, ever, never forget that. And we have a relationship not because he's my bud. It's because he's kicked my butt. And I took it like a man and believed. And our relationship today is stronger than it ever was. Praise the Lord. 
And how sad, and that's the word woe, is all I could look at. Sad is the man who has no one to help you. Sad is the man that has no one there when we fall. Or hopefully to warn us before we fall. That's another message. We also need someone when we freeze. This is what I see happening right now in our fellowship. Not because the weather's changing. Verse 11, it says, Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can keep warm one alone? See, after time, our enthusiasm, after time, our zeal, our fire for the things of God can begin to be crowded out by work, by schedule, by a wife, by grandkids, just by life. Nothing nasty, nothing necessarily sinful. But there will be a time in your life, my brother, you're going to need another brother when you begin to freeze, when you begin to go cold. Not because we don't care, because we do. Thank you, Jesus. And how many know that there are always seasons we could get a little cold in our spirit? Unanswered prayer. Our wife or we get an unprepared diagnosis. We're going through a financial hard time. We do what's right. We go into work. They call us in. Yes, I'm going to get a raise. And you get laid off. Oh, I know that would never bother your faith, but I've been there when I was in the music business. Thank God for Rush Landscape Gardening. And guys produce some preachers. What a blessing it is. And I'm, I'm bringing it down. Really, I am. What a blessing it is to be able to come to a men's breakfast. What a blessing it is to be able to come into a church service, especially a Wednesday. You know, a lot of churches, they do not do it anymore. We get all fired up on a Sunday, you know, Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Greg, whoa, whoa, man, I am on. And then by Wednesday, I just had the victory. Where did I put it? (laughs) Right? Thank God we can come into a service, into a meeting like this, not just for a free meal, but the blessing of the warmth of other brothers can begin to help us, can begin to not only take the chill away, can begin to help inspire us and encourage us. And looking at me, listen, man, if God can help you, he can help me. You're right. Because God's no respecter of persons. Hypothermia. This is something where you become so cold, you're no longer able to gather warmth in your body extremities. You're no longer able to even feel it. They say some people in advanced hypothermia, they think they're hot, and they begin to take layers of clothing off, and they die. And lastly, we're going to need someone in our life when we fight. 
Verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. Listen, on our own, I know you're somebody, bro. Don't take it wrong, please. But together, we're unconquerable. That was a decent place to say, man. I'm giving you a compliment. Wow, Anthony, tough crowd, brother. Guys ought to smile at least for a good breakfast. They do that at the Salvation Army. It's probably weak soup. (laughs) There will be times we could lose by ourselves. But together going to make it we're stronger we're better we learn and there might be and again i just know the i listen to the holy there's nothing wrong with god's voice i was zeroed in with pastor campbell zeroed in with chandler then right over to redlands for pastor cox but i was zeroed in for the privilege brother anthony gave me you guys mean everything to my wife and i Not just when we stumbled in in 1982 and Bible studies, when we actually helped each other. The way it's happening again. Park, the outreaches in the neighborhoods. That's the way it was when I got saved. We didn't care who got the credit. We just wanted to see somebody get saved. And it's happening again. Oh God, multiply it again. And there could be somebody here this morning you feel spiritually you're losing. Listen, we're here to help you. We're here for you. Not to give you counsel, not to give you advice. That's what our pastors are for. But I'm telling you, there is nothing so powerful like genuine brotherhood. Can somebody say amen? And the problem is, if we're not careful, we can be so filled with fear, intimidation, what I call insecurity. Pastor Mitchell corrected me a few weeks ago. He said, Bowman, insecurity extreme is pride inside out. Don't let pride... Keep these other brothers out of your life. I'm not letting mine keep you out. Because just knowing what I had gone through and coming and seeing, oh yeah, man, you were faithful. You have no idea how difficult it was. Not being faithful. Because I have guys ask me, you know, what did you do special? It's like, listen, what got you saved keeps you saved. You come to church, you don't miss a lick, you pray, you read your Bible, you keep your attitude, your heart right, keep your needle north, and see what God does. But it was seeing you guys that made all the difference in my life. Yes, I did not want to disappoint you. But I'm telling you, you did not disappoint me. You blessed me. Having me for skeddy. All kinds of stuff that you just take for granted. No, there is nothing more powerful than being a uni brother. 
Because without a uni brother, something's going to blow up. And if you know some, I don't know all, but I know a few. And I can tell you, when those guys begin to separate themselves, they begin to get their own ideas, begin to spend way too much time with other people, other Christians, unsaved people. Something was about to blow. What a blessing it is. That threefold cord that is you, that is me, and that is God. That threefold cord will not be easily broken. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes this morning. I so thank God, each and every one of you. And I really thank God for Brother Anthony. Just the privilege to be able to be here with you guys, the guys that have meant so much in my life. Because outside of our pastors, you and I, each other, are the ones that really do make the doctrines, make the sermons, make the truth that we hear every work, every week rather, begin to work. And this morning, before we change the order of the service, I've just come out of two tremendous reporting revivals. The greatest miracle of all, it's not being healed of cancer, not being healed of AIDS. It's being a person who knows inside you're guilty. And yet through one decision, you can be forgiven. You can be free. Don't let fear, don't let pride, don't let the uncomfortable mistake, well, what would somebody else think? Who cares? This is between you and God. And in life, you cannot always be right with everybody at work, at school, in your club. But when you're right with God, sir, you are right. And tonight, before we change, you're here. You're not saved. Maybe you're a backslider. You began to hang. You began to do wrong with other people. I've got great news. When you're going the wrong direction, all you got to do is turn around. And this morning, unsaved or backslidden, no one else looking around. We are men. We are not pansies. Takes a real man to live for God. And you're not alone. We're here for you. And this morning you're here, you're not saved, you're backslidden. Lift up your hand, quick, all over this place so I'll know who to remember. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Thank you so much. Anyone else this morning? Listen, carrying a gun, a weapon, there's no chick, no drug, no thrill worth you and me missing out on what God has for us. You can be forgiven. You can be free. You've not gone too long. You've not gone too far. It's a decision. Anyone else, quickly, just put your hand right up. Join this other honest heart. In Jesus' name, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. But you be honest with God, be honest with yourself. Thank God. Thank God. And this morning, I want you to, brother, would you pray with me right now? Would you pray with me right now? I want you to say right now, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, ask you I ask you to forgive me, to forgive me 
for all my sin. I'm sorry for all the wrong that I've ever done. And I thank you for bringing me into a true brotherhood, washed, redeemed by your blood. God, give me strength and the courage to do what's right. Thank you for forgiving me and thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Thank God. Thank God. Man. Man, we're riding free now, I gotta say. Thank God. We have a new brother. Welcome to the family, sir. Welcome to the family. One father in heaven. We one blood. One tribe. Learning all this Korean stuff for next week. They do this. But this morning as we get ready to go into a busy day. You know, it really is easy to forget. This is just so simple. But yet, your lives have changed mine forever. You know God forgives. You need to know that. God forgives. But there's no more of a quizzical feeling than being out of sync with headship, being out of sync with your brothers. And I know for many of you it's uncomfortable. How you doing? I'm fine. I, I know it's uncomfortable. But you have no idea the difference we make when one of us fights, one of us freezes, or one of us falls. And how many this morning are going to make a fresh commitment? I'm going to be that brother. You know what? I, I'm not going to let my pride, my fear, my lack of education... Just being there makes all the difference. And I want each and every one of us this morning to pray and say, Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this simple word that speaks such hope and challenge and encouragement that my life can make such a difference not only in this life, but in the lives of others. Father, I ask you, give me the courage, the fortitude, and the vision to see the needs of others. Thank you for calling me into this family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise as our brother Anthony chants. Father, we thank you, Master, so much.